Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Got much to discuss here. The over-unders are out more than a month early compared to last year. So we like to get to those absolutely as soon as we can so we can be operating with the same information that the odds makers are when those lines are first released. So we're going to do the West today. We got the East coming up over the weekend. We also got some news to get to though. The Kyrie Irving trade just a few minutes before we recorded completed. Celtics adding a 2020 second round pick that once belonged to Miami to the deal and a few other things we got to talk about Nerlens Noel and some injury news in addition Danny miss you how you doing man I'm doing well sir how are you yeah, I guess we did the Brooklyn one a, a little bit ago yeah uh, but uh, what's your reaction to this whole Kyrie drama finally being over it never seemed like there was much danger of the deal actually falling apart after that initial flurry of oh man Thomas is worse than anyone thinks right like I, I think so much bridge burning had happened that it's kind of seemed like both sides were just ready to go through with what they had and also remember that of course this affects Cleveland more assuming that they didn't Boston didn't see anything in Kyrie's issues which you had talked about before because Cleveland is really only focused on three months April May and June and yeah it might take some time for Isaiah to sort this out but as long as they believe that he's going to be right by April they already have about as definitive of proof that they can get that they can make the NBA finals from whatever seed they need to be almost every team around them other than arguably the Celtics got worse this year so if it takes them four or five months to get right physically and remember Love and J.R. Smith missed a lot of time last year too so I don't think they need to be concerned about that if they feel like he will reach 100% then the timing isn't as important and they ended up getting an extra second round pick out of it yeah Isaiah gave a defiant interview to Woj a couple days ago saying no he he expects to be fully healthy even though perhaps it, it has been slowed down a little bit in terms of his recovery he did avoid the surgery but I think ultimately not only was it a case of so many bridges being burned but more that this was just too good of a deal even without Thomas for Cleveland to pass up right this is something that I think it was Zach Lowe was talking about in his piece that came out on Wednesday morning about how the Brooklyn trade piece was probably the best single asset they could reasonably have expected to get back because there just aren't that many teams that have that that are good enough to want Kyrie but bad enough or have an, an alternate asset 
that will actually be really strong because most of the teams that have picks that high, they're their own and Kyrie makes them better, everything like that. So Cleveland kind of gets to play the best of both worlds here. Even if Isaiah leaves, even if LeBron leaves, well, they just got an amazing piece to rebuild. And usually it takes a year or two for the team to get bad enough so that they can do that. And this all comes back to something you in the in the 10 minutes I was on while riding through rural Iowa on a train. I, I don't I think I talked about this, but the important element is what each of these two teams felt like Kyrie was going to do as a free agent, because if Cleveland felt like even if LeBron left, he still didn't want to return. They had to make a move like this. And this was the right one to do. Boston now has that onus on them. Now he has to come back because he will provide a lot of value in these two years. But that's not enough to for the sacrifice and the marginal difference between Isaiah and Kyrie. There's much talk that implication from Cleveland that Boston was not upfront about IT's condition. His physical, I think, took place last Friday. Uh, Boston adamantly maintaining that we did tell them everything, but I think so many other, you mentioned that Brooklyn pick being so good, Crowder, whom we haven't even mentioned. I mean, probably the best secondary piece they can get, both in terms of a guy who's an asset on his contract and also can really help them win this year. out. There's not too many Jay Crowders floating around there. You know, like what would a team like New Orleans just like desperately give to have a Jay Crowder on their roster right now to, to play the three? So, and then also keep in mind too that Kyrie was happy to go to Boston. Right. And I think that'll be very clear. Uh, Certainly there's nowhere else that he realistically could have gone that could have given any kind of a return. And Zach went through that in his piece quite a bit today as well that could have given anywhere close to this return that Kyrie would have been happy to go and potentially sign a, a new contract to stay there in two years. So uh, all of that really, I, I mean, Kyrie would very easily have made it very clear, I think, to any other teams that inquired about him, because part of the point of this, I think, for Cleveland was, hey, guys, all right, we did this deal. You sure you don't want to uh, up your offer and get involved? You know, you sure? You sure? Like, he could be had still if you want him. And and I don't think there really was anything out there at that point. There was talk of maybe Denver or Milwaukee. That was about it. And a theme of this offseason, and it might end up being the one that is prevalent for a decade in this, is Danny Ainge's belief in his own evaluation and his own thing. Because the trade of, of the number one pick and Markel Fultz for Jason Tatum, that was built around his analysis that those guys were either so close or that, that Tatum was better, that they got an extra thing. And here, he decided that the difference, both in terms of their contract their age and everything else between Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas was so large that it was warranted giving up both Jay Crowder and that Brooklyn pick. So how Danny Ainge's evaluations look five, 10 years from now matter because Boston has real stakes. This is not one of those in the abstraction like the Orlando Magic missing on a couple of different guys. This is a championship contender making moves when they were the most asset rich team in the entire league. Yeah. So, and of course, if you want to get much more on our Kyrie reaction, we recorded a podcast with Dan Feldman about a week ago when this news first broke. If you want to go back and listen to that, I want to remind you or actually tell you for the first time, I believe, about a new way to support the show. We've got an Amazon banner ad on NateDuncanNBA.com. So, if you're not someone who buys from our sponsors, also a list of which are, are available on NateDuncanNBA.com, a great way to support the show if you want to is. Is just buy what you would normally buy on Amazon, but just click on that banner ad 
head first and then we get a little piece of it so that would be a great way to support the show it doesn't cost you anything extra it's something you'd be doing anyway and we really appreciate the help there and then of course uh, our patreon will be doing another patreon mailbag pretty shortly here we are tweeting out salary stuff pretty much every day uh that's available to patreon subscribers as well let's get now to dallas where nerland's noel has switched agents from happy walters to rich paul and then immediately took the qualifying offer about 4.2 million dollars since he did not make the starter criteria his qualifying offer was much lower than it would normally have been for him as the number six overall pick back in 2013 and now what do you you think of this from let's start from dallas's perspective is this a disaster for the dallas mavericks no because they get him on a very valuable deal and the center market for next year is very saturated there aren't that many teams with a need and there aren't that many teams that are going to have a lot of money so they certainly will have the risk of him leaving and it doesn't harbor exactly a ton of goodwill to have that circumstance where you know a guy have a you have a tough negotiation and it falls through but it usually boils down to who makes you the best offer and dallas will give him a chance to succeed and then the other thing that it gives dallas is a lot of flexibility we don't know what's going to happen with west matthews player option but let's say nerlens leaves they can pivot and go in a lot of other different directions in a year where not that many other teams have money and dallas is a pretty desirable place mark cuban has helped with that and they're not going to be competing with the Bostons, the Golden States, the Clevelands of the world for those guys. Well, Dallas, certainly there is risk here that you could lose the guy. Absolutely. But as you mentioned, not a, a ton of other suitors who really can offer much above the mid-level exception. You would imagine that you will not be first on those teams list now dallas has no risk at all for this season you know if the the potentially injury prone noel suffers uh another setback and even more though now his cap holds eight million bucks instead of you know making 15 16 17 million a year the offer he supposedly turned down uh was what was it four for 70 or something like that i forget exactly what it was i think it was 70 that, million uh, i don't remember how many yeah, years okay. but i believe it was 70 yeah million. no it would have yeah it would have been all right yeah it's four it would have been four then um and but and we'll get to Noel's side of this a little bit. But that's great for Dallas. They just got up to ten million extra in cap space for next year. And if Wes Matthews opt out, they'll have max space. If he opts in, they'll still have some modicum of flexibility as well. They could get up to twenty five million without Noel. I mean, they could just not bring him back if they don't want to. You know, if they move on from Seth Curry, who they'll have early bird rights on, they could get up to uh, about twenty nine million in space uh, solely of their own volition. Now, well, and um, remember, and, and they Dirk- can also move to they can also move to powell at that point i mean he'll have yeah. about 20 million but 20 million and they'll have they'll have draft assets they can do some other stuff if they need to right so uh, this actually i mean i think this works out much better for dallas than if he had taken their offer which was reported to be four for 70 and in fact confirmed by noel's jilted former agent happy walters and uh, on twitter where simultaneously adding uh, rich paul uh, and mark cuban happy saying specifically that Noel turned down that four for 70, which he absolutely should have taken for sure. Uh, that, that was part of free agency. And then when that was turned down, the offer was pulled. And, and you imagine that Dallas did not come back with a similar offer. Now, uh, Chris Haynes piece, and, and he's always been quite plugged in with Rich Paul's camp, made it very clear that this is not considered to be scorched earth. I'm leaving Dallas for sure, but just another chance to see some more value. But uh, for Noel, it would be absolutely shocking to me 
and granted, now at the time he made this decision to take the qualifying offer, it's unclear what exactly was on the table from Dallas. Definitely not the four for 70, you would imagine. Uh, but it seems very unlikely that over the next four years, since he's starting with only 4.2 this year, that Noel will be able to make up the money that he would have lost had he, he taken that deal. And, you know, I mean, I guess at some point, you if you recommend that the guy takes it and he doesn't take it, and then he fires you. I mean, I guess I thought Noel thought he should have, Happy Walter should have done better. I thought that's actually pretty good to get that offer and they should have taken it. But, you know, sometimes that's just uh, what players do. And that's the peril of being an agent is that you can counsel all you want but it's comes down to the player it's their money and i feel bad you know that, that you you make an offer like that but them's the breaks and a guy whose agent did a very good job andrew nicholson he he's getting his money and it's gonna it's gonna be stretched that was announced today the the deadline for that is the end of august for it to be stretched for for this coming season to be stretched onto it and so the portland trailblazers elected to do that and significantly lowered their luxury tax burden yeah nicholson now will count 2.8 million on the cap for the the Blazers over the next seven seasons. Cameron Payne continues to really struggle with that foot. He will undergo another surgery. I guess he rebroke again that fifth metatarsal. He'll be sidelined until at least late November per Shamsharania. And perhaps, I mean, maybe you can almost hope that this is, it's good that he's, this still wasn't fully recovered because he was playing so poorly that at least like maybe this could be a reason why. Uh, But you have to imagine that his career is in great jeopardy and that the Bulls uh, might very seriously consider declining his fourth-year option at this point, even though they would have some egg on their face given uh, that trade that they made uh, for him. Uh, Manu Ginobili returning to the Spurs, two years, $5 million. You remember he got that big balloon payment last year when they had full bird rights and could afford it. Now they still had those full bird rights, but... Uh, he much more would have put them uh, starting to get into tax territory and and close to the hard cap but and we'll see whether Manu plays that second year or just gets it as kind of a farewell uh, much as Tim Duncan did uh, where else should we go here Solomon Hill this is I think one of the more impactful injuries of a guy that does not get other than <laughs> other than on this podcast doesn't get a lot of attention because of positional scarcity so Solomon Hill is going to miss most of the regular season with a torn hamstring it's going to require surgery. And the biggest issue is that New Orleans just doesn't have a lot of depth at his position of, well, we both think of him as a natural power forward in today's game, but he's going to play the small forward for them because they don't have many other guys. So now they might be trying to get Dante Cunningham back. Maybe they'll play retread Darius Miller there. They'll try a couple of other things to just, just try to make it happen, do their best. But they're dancing on the on the pinhead now, New Orleans is just, I mean, they have three incredible talents, two legitimate all-stars and Drew Holiday is very good, but you have to have talent around them and it's going to be harder to do that without Solomon Hill. Yeah, it is. I mean, Hill was inadequate offensively as a starting small forward, but at least could hold up on D at that position. And one thing I actually recorded with Mason Ginsburg today, that'll be out next week, uh, our Pelicans preview, but he reminded me that because Drew Holiday has all these unlikely incentives, those still count against the hard cap so they're pretty close to the hard cap at this point that has complicated their efforts to re-sign Cunningham who reportedly is choosing between the Pels and the Timberwolves uh in other news Michael Winger 
very respected executive in OKC. I've been told by people who know that he might be the person in the entire NBA who knows the CBA the best. Uh, he's hired by the Clippers as a general manager role below president of basketball operations, Lawrence Frank. They also tra- hired Trent Redden, late of the Cavs, as an assistant GM and brought in uh, Mark Hughes as well from the Knicks uh, on the scouting side. And uh, so the Clippers really now pivoting away very quickly from the Doc Rivers-led front office and filling out with some very respected uh, NBA veterans. It would have been nice if they would have did that before this offseason, but it's still, I mean, the Clippers are in, in a better place by having real front office types there. On the player side of this, Devon Reed, who was the second pick of the second round by the Phoenix Suns, has had a meniscus repair, so he'll be out for a little while. And former second round pick... Uh, more more than a little while, because he had the repair, so he's going to oh, be... Oh, that's right. That's like, I was th- that's going to be four to six, four to six months. Months, yeah, okay. Okay, so he'll be out for a while. And then former high second round pick KJ McDaniels agreed to a partially guaranteed contract with the Toronto Raptors. He will be a part of their young morass, as as it were, probably more on the Raptors 905. We'll have to see how that works out. Actually, I don't know if his guarantee is big and is, is too big to go to the 905. Well, if they if they cut him, it, it yeah. is. It's, oh, yeah, but he can't be but, a two-way. Uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, um, yeah, and you can't be assigned to, you can't be cut and then be assigned to that D-League team if you have more than 50 thousand guaranteed um another raptors news bruno caboclo kicked off the brazilian national team because he twice refused to enter a game that not uh what really seems like his mo he's supposed to be at least like you know kind of a, a sweet kid um i mean but, he tried yeah, to explain Caboclo's... that he was still a year away but i guess they just didn't listen <laughs> caboclo's career not exactly hitting the stratosphere quite yet and uh joe varden noting out of cleveland that uh people close to lebron james are pretty confident confident that uh, at some point this year Dwayne Wade will end up on the Cavs Nick Friedel said that Wade was expected to engage in buyout negotiations at some point in the next few months not exactly that clear with that report uh, and then also in Cleveland, the Cavaliers had a $140 million renovation plan for Quicken Loans Arena, half of which I believe was to be paid for with public funding. There, a An Ohio court ruled that basically, you might remember this better than I do, but that a citizens group had challenged the use of public money for that and they now the Cavaliers due to that ruling are not able to meet a deadline to begin construction and therefore uh, that public money has actually been lost uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, interesting to see that uh, with uh, Dan Gilbert who certainly has gotten plenty of public money to help him out before uh, what else we got here Neil Olshay who runs the front office for the Portland Trailblazers got an extension thank you Yusuf Nurkic uh, through 2021 so he was I think he was going to be in the final year of his contract I mean he had a wonderful beginning to his tenure there and then 2016 wasn't was an absolute disaster i think he's done all right since then a little bit on the kind of the old nba stuff with drafting two big men we go through that and then on the big man note or do you well, want to talk about you? I want, yeah i want to add a little bit on on Olshay. uh he had two options on his contract That's for what the two was. years before this and those have been picked up and he gets another year on it so three-year extension for him and i think he's done a great job there i think uh, 
it can get a little weird with the media like his insisting that they they always had a chance to re-sign LaMarcus was always ridiculous and you'll see him like really like be super concerned with like what the message is and, and stuff like that he has just a reputation around the league for being like really having rabbit ears about how he's portrayed in the press and how the organization is portrayed but other than that summer of 2016 difficult to find fault with much of what he's done and, and the story seems to be too that Paul Allen really was pushing for all those guys to be retained but Myers Leonard Allen Crabb and Evan Turner is a pretty awful legacy that really has undone a lot of the good that he had achieved um but he was able to at least get off a of crab and what I thought was a really nice deal to get Nicholson who as we mentioned just got stretched so I, I mean I think do you think Olshay deserves this extension yeah I mean at this point I, th- I think you trust him but the big one th- big concern I have that he has not addressed is really those decisions on the margins like they haven't added much depth through like minimum contracts or through low-end like low-end draft picks and that's really what they have left now that they got Nurkic so I don't know if you want to throw that on the feet of you know maybe an assistant GM or something like that but now they need to make those marginal moves and that's part of the reason why they've been so shallow and at the eight seed as opposed to maybe like the six or the seven because they have some high-end talent but they need more guys to step up I will say this it's good timing for O'Shea because if his draft picks this year disappoint or if Portland is not as good as I think everyone is kind of hoping that they will be I mean we'll get to the over-unders pretty shortly here but so maybe I, I, I'm guessing Portland expectations are higher than their over-under which I believe is 42 and a half but it's I could see them not having the greatest of years this year and then you kind of wonder like hey you know we're, we're stuck in the mud here why why is he getting extended I mean if it were me and I had those two years a team option maybe I would have picked up one one of those but at least now you know you avoid the uh, moral hazard issue of him trying to save his job and he can play for the future so that makes sense the Jazz, they named Mike Elliott, formerly of the well-respected Suns training staff, vice president of Performance Healthcare, and they brought in Eric Waters from the Washington Wizards. Uh, not a team that has done as well, uh, but it had a pretty good health record last year, at least. And, and the Jazz, as we've noted, have had some pretty bad health situations not only that but they've also had some situations that are very recurring and chronic right like Rodney Hood hurting his knee several times last year Alec Burks with the ankle having to have multiple surgeries Derek Favors really for the last two seasons now has been dogged by these intractable knee and back problems and George Hill chronic with that toe last year and so I do think you know we're not there we don't know what exactly is being done I'm not an expert on these things but it's hard to say that they have been doing a great job in those respects yeah that's true and so it'll be interesting to see how this works of course the Suns have had a remarkable training staff and you know the Wizards had had that year and something I'll get to in the Wizards over-unders later on two more quick player decisions I think we have to get to with this news Jordan Mickey cut by the Celtics got a full guarantee fully guaranteed first year with the Miami Heat a team that already has two centers that you would assume are completely ahead of in the depth chart and they're starting likely power forward Kelly Olynyk should play some backup center that was a surprise Jeff Withy less of a surprise going to the Dallas Mavericks kind of pseudo replacing AJ Hammonds but only 350,000 guaranteed so I think that's worth it because he was a pretty solid producer last year for the Jazz and if I don't know if the off the court stuff has been resolved or what happened with that but $350,000 is not a lot of risk for them yeah you wonder how much those domestic violence allegations which surfaced during the playoffs against Withy may have reduced his value I, I haven't kept up with the with the status 
of that case is and and how grave that situation might actually be. Mickey in Miami, I like because I think he's a guy who had talent, got one of the best contracts ever for a second rounder at the time and looked pretty athletic I thought he might even be able to contribute a little bit for them last season and then really starting in summer league when he was dealing with the shoulder injury did not appear to be in the greatest shape and did not look as athletic as I remembered him being and you know didn't really have a great year in Maine and and he got waived of course to make room for Gordon Hayward so I think he's a perfect fit in Miami a guy with some athleticism if they can get him to play hard get his body right that maybe he still can become a, a solid NBA player. Marcus Soule said in an interview with a Spanish outlet that if the Grizzlies don't keep growing, those are uh, the translated words, that they may have to revisit his fate in Memphis. Of course, anytime this happens with a veteran player who's got a pretty big contract like Gasol, and Gasol certainly played extremely well last year, so I don't want to put this on him, but part of the reason why that they will not keep growing is because Marcus Soule is going to be getting older. And so the time may come when it could behoove Memphis to move both he and Mike Conley if in fact uh, they miss the playoffs which uh, the over-unders project them to do this season uh so but it's interesting to see that he would be open to the idea at least of being moved somewhere else and we'd have to see what would end up happening there I I mean given how low the trade values have been for some of these in prime guys who have been moved of late you have to imagine especially for a, a slower center that maybe Memphis might not get the greatest return for him low enough I mean this is getting way ahead of ourselves but low enough to where it's like well hey let's just keep this guy around unless he really straight up requests a trade he also after this season only has two more years left and so it's what 2018-19 24.1 million and then 2019-20 about 25.6 and that's a player option but I think we both assume he's going to pick that up yeah I actually uh was just doing some projections for 2019 and I did in fact assume that uh is that it for news yeah under 30 minutes Woo! <laughs> all right we'll get to those west over-unders momentarily but first this from audible i've actually been an audible subscriber since 2005 i'm actually listening right now i've got a little bit more spare time during the off season to a book that i have been remiss in not reading until now loose balls by terry plew one of the top 10 sports books ever probably about the old aba it's just a great oral history and the performance really by the crew that does it is fantastic because it's an oral history they've got probably like six or seven people who read the various quotations in the oral history and it's really they they do a fantastic job with it all these different voices they've got like you know this guy with a new york accent for like doug moe and hubie brown it's actually (laughs) pretty impressive the performance there so really been enjoying that book a lot by the way i I highly recommend reading that in audio form or you could read it on your kindle as well using the whispersync technology which i take advantage of with, with audible also that basically will allow you to sync up between Audible and your Kindle. When you stop on Audible, you'll sync right up with your Kindle when you start it up, etc. cetera. Uh, Audible content isn't only, of course, audiobooks. It also includes an unmatched selection of original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and business information providers. 
And the way to get started with them, you can get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash capspace. That slash capspace URL. Easy to remember. We talk about capspace all the time here on the program. That's audible.com slash capspace for a free audiobook with your 30-day trial. Audible.com slash capspace. C-A-P-S-P-A-C-E. Audible.com slash capspace. Free audiobook with your 30-day trial. And uh, hopefully you will be an Audible subscriber for 12 years just like i've been okay over under time we had to change everything up because these came out so early the season previews are on hold for the time being and let's get started here western conference dallas mavericks 35.5 the line from the westgate las vegas superbook and that would be an improvement in order to get the over of three wins over last year because they won 33 games and my prediction is that they're going to go over i don't feel super comfortable about it because there aren't that much better than this number and so those are always the ones that concern me there will be a few others like this but dirk nowitzki only played 54 games last year nerlens noel was not on the team that long i i just think also broadly they have a deeper roster and I really like Rick Carlisle as a regular season coach and I always worry when a team has more kind of more more downside in their number than up but I just feel like they're going to win like 36 38 games and so I'm going to go over yeah you know so a season ago they were as you mentioned 33 and 49 they tanked pretty hard down the end of the year actually ended up winning a game in Memphis that Mark Cuban was not happy about but ended up lucking into their guy Dennis Smith anyway when a bunch of people passed on him the Mavericks last year had the point differential of a 33-win team. So right at that level, 25th in offense, 15th in defense. You remember too that they really were pretty close to 500 after they had that terrible, I think it was 4-17 and start when Dirk was missing time, Darren Williams was out. I don't really see what the argument is that they could be worse than last year. Do you see any reason to think that other than just maybe like Dirk is just so injured or he's just like totally done and doesn't play anymore but i mean they should be have a better situation at point guard i mean i guess darren williams well, they, they're also relying a lot on a rookie point guard as opposed to when darren yeah. got some time before he did that and while we both love what dennis smith can be it's very possible that he has a rocky start and they also could just have worse injury luck you know if harrison barnes misses time if Wes matthews misses more time or nerland's a guy who is not known for his resilience if those guys they don't really have great replacements for any of them they have it they have depth at the at the one but not as much at the three and the five in particular yeah i mean it's not like they got a ton out of andrew bogut last year either uh, he only played 26 games for them and had a 9.4 pr though he was solid defensively oh, so i mean having yeah go ahead one other argument is that they're one team that has the organizational security to knuckle under if the season's not going right and so that you know if, if if things go badly enough and they do that then they they will can win 35 or fewer games without problem yeah, i mean maybe seth curry won't play quite as well yogi Farrell almost certainly won't shoot quite as well from three-point range although overall he wasn't really that efficient he was basically right about league average so yeah relying on Dennis Smith you wonder about that but the rest of this team they've got some pretty solid depth on this squad I'm gonna go ahead and say over as well it's not one that I feel particularly strongly about either way I think this is about right especially because I think once they're out of it again they could just 
go and play a bunch of young guys more than they they had they have those type of guys on the team now but especially if noel can really come through and play well and he certainly has every motivation to do so now and they have some options backing up smith if he's not going to be a fantastic player so i i do think i i I will go with the over as well but this wouldn't be one i feel particularly strongly about uh i haven't come up with a specific projection for their wins yet i'll wait till i do the season preview and think about them a little harder but i i I do expect them to go over next up are the denver nuggets the nuggets won 40 games last year narrowly missed the playoffs after the unfortunate yusuf nurkic mason plumlee trade being a part of that and plumlee status is still up in the air a little bit because of their addition of paul Millsap, their projection is significantly higher at 45 and a half wins how are you feeling about it they're expected one loss 42 and 40 they went 40 and 42 last season a lot of young guys on this team and do you see anyone on this team that you expect obviously they're trading out Gallo who maybe we're underrating him a little bit because they're just so eager to get rid of him and get Millsap at this point we'll assume that Plumlee will be back in some form or fashion potentially on the qualifying offer but I think uh, they've got all these young guys who probably can't help but, but be better they do have a little bit of a hole at the three Juan Herman Gomez is going to have to give them some minutes they're not really his natural position but other than than that they've got a lot of guys who should be better Jamal Murray Emmanuel Moutier was awful for a lot of the year and you know he's got to be better or he's just going to not play as well hopefully they'll get less minutes for Jameer Nelson who wasn't very good so Jokic should at least be able to repeat last year he's pretty young and then Millsap maybe he'll just fall off a cliff but he's still a great player I mean he's a guy you would think is worth five wins over Gallo just on his own and then you get the requisite improvement from these guys also uh uh, they're also pretty injured last year. I mean, maybe the one way that it falls apart for them is if Wilson Chandler has had these hip issues, if he really just like can't contribute at all, and then they just have nothing at the three. But I am I'm don't think it's going to go that much over, but I do think I will go with the over for these guys. Lots of parallels here for me with Dallas, where I think that there is more kind of downside risk. Like I don't see them winning 52, 55 games, but I could see them winning 40 without any sort of incident. So so you have that as a little bit of an issue. You always kind of want it to be the other way. But I just see them settling into that, you know, 46, 48 wins. They're a good team. I think they'll be better defensively. Having Millsap, you know, that is a meaningful difference. They didn't yeah. need as much of 29th what... 29th in defense a, yeah. a year ago. But this team, from when Jokic came into the lineup was the number one offense and and was they had uh, you know, a plus 1.1 yeah. net rating as a team including the time he sat after they made the switch yeah so that's a good thing to know as well and i think well Millsap, you know i i you can make the argument that gallo when you throw his shooting in as well might be a better offensive player than Millsap, but i still think he'll do more for the defense you know i don't expect them to be you know i think they could be maybe the fourth or fifth best offense again but if Millsap can even get them you know into being like somewhere close to the 20th best defense they have a lot of liabilities in this team I and mean, jamal murray as much as we love him is awful especially in one-on-one defense and Moutier was pretty rough too. Jameer Nelson, not good. Um, Jokic, a liability there as well. So I'm not feeling like amazing about this, but yeah, I think I would go with the over. 
Golden State Warriors, reigning NBA champions, won 67 games last year. Over-under is set at 67 and a half, so they have to be one game better. I think they'll go over. It's a number that's really high. I, I generally am not comfortable with a number that, that up there, but I think they're a meaningfully better regular season team for two different reasons. One is they don't have the adjustment that they did last year. Even though they won a lot of games early last year, they had to adjust to Kevin Durant and that whole yeah. weird thing. Their defense was horrible at yes. the beginning. Like their the defense first five or six games they couldn't stop anybody because they were just having like guys like Zaza and D West hang back the same way Bogut did and they just got destroyed in pick and roll defense and, um, and Durant also but, missed time yeah. they played again played well when he was out and then but I think the depth is the other really important issue this year is that they have guys like Nick Young and Omri Caspi who can log more minutes so that their starters can stay f- more fresh and this the Warriors even if they have guys as long as it's like a single really good player who's out at a time I think they're better than almost everyone they're going to play anyway so they don't need to gun for every game to win in 68 that's how crazy this team is last year i think they were 66.5 i went with the over and they barely hit it i think i predicted they would win 69 last year i was wrong about that but may have gotten there had it not been for the durant injury but and this has been a very healthy team now for quite some time but i think it's at the point where whether it's their methods or just the fact that even curry who is fragile but uh known to be fragile but doesn't hasn't missed any time at all in the regular season since 2012 and then and Draymond Green and, and Clay Thompson never get hurt. KD, a little bit more of an issue there. And then they have so much depth on this team. It, it really is remarkable. You're right. I think maybe they're just, I think I'm going to go with the over just because there's so much talent on this squad. I mean, they've got, they're like two deep, sometimes even three deep at, at nearly every position. Caspi is going to give them some more shooting, enable them to play small even more. Nick Young is an upgrade on what Ian Clark gave them. Patrick McCaw is going to be get be better. I think really the only reason you could say they'd be worse is either worse health or just that curry kd maybe draymond green is not quite as effective maybe they just don't defend quite as hard this year just because everything's too easy for them uh but i think with the competitors they have i mean this is now three years already of being this good where they've continued to defend they were obviously very motivated last year because they lost the championship but i mean i I still think this team has a very good chance of being first in offense and first in defense this year they're first and second a year ago and if you remember the year after they won their first championship we wondered about motivation and they won 73 games so they can certainly do that and this is of of course a very different group and a very different time for the franchise you know these guys have established themselves much more than they were trying to kind of prove it but they're they're incredibly good I think they can beat almost every NBA team on an off night. And that is what makes this number possible because there aren't that many teams that I think really threaten them other than those, you know, best of times, worst of times games, kind of like how they lost to the Bucks a couple of years ago and the Timberwolves two years ago as well. Houston, 55 and a half. And these guys won 55 last year. How are they not going to be better than last year? Well, they were very healthy. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, yeah. You know, they got a lot of a lot of minutes out of Ryan Anderson. They got a lot of minutes out of Eric. Of Eric Gordon and, and Harden, of course, was healthy too. Capella, I believe, was was pretty healthy. And so that's probably part of the logic. And something that I was remembering, and I wanted to look this up while we were doing it, is Lou Williams only played in 23 regular season games last year because he joined the Rockets, you know, shortly before the deadline. And then he only he played in the playoffs for them. So it's not like losing that time is significantly important. He did most of his regular season damage as a member of the Lakers. And yeah, Patrick Beverly was an important contributor. Chris Paul is way better. So I expect them to go over. I'm 
not as confident in this as I was last year because I thought their number was comically low last year, but I think they'll go over. Yeah, at 41. Yeah. yeah. Although I don't I still think we didn't necessarily put that in our best bets. I think I I think I did, but like I think it was like my third or fourth yeah. bet. I don't remember for sure though. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear what we did last year, we actually went through all of our picks mm-hmm. and where we went right and wrong uh back at, I think in the beginning of April. So you can go back and listen to that. We do that every year as well. Houston second in offense, 18th in defense a year ago and right at their expected one loss i mean maybe harden won't be quite as good it's hard to imagine there'll be some sort of diminishing returns between he and chris paul but i think they're gonna be so much better defensively this year i mean i see no way that they're gonna be as bad in the bottom half of the league in defense when you think about not only chris paul but also in Mute and pj tucker coming in capella should be better you could see trevor ariza really falling off and i do think they are gonna miss guys like beverly lou williams but they still got gordon they still got anderson i mean those are the only two guys though that I look at as as a health risk. Uh, and Anderson played 72 games last year. So, you know, I, I really, I'm surprised that the number is this low. And this is the second highest in the Western Conference. But I, I and maybe that's partially because they flamed out so pathetically in that last game against the Spurs and people are just remembering that or Vegas thinks that people are going to be remembering that. Or maybe the thought is that Chris Paul won't make it through the whole season healthy, which is quite possible because he hasn't done that in, in a while. But it's been freak injuries, hand injuries, that kind of stuff. Um, and he's not going to have to play at as high an intensity as he did before. I, I, I got to go with the over again. That's three, four straight overs now in the West. Don't worry, though. We're doing the East, though. So <laughs> there'll be plenty well, of And I have plenty still. of unders in the West, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we we've got some coming here, but but what's your uh, what's your pick on Houston? Over. Okay, and we're all we're also now four for four in agreeing. That's um, not going to continue. <laughs> how do you, how do you know you don't know what i'm picking i don't know what you're picking but i this one i so for the clippers i i so every year uh, there are one or two and i usually get these wrong where i do it on feel where my my brain is telling me one thing but i'm just like there's something else going on here and so for the clippers they won 51 games last year they lost chris paul they had a pretty significant team overhaul in terms of their backcourt and the number was 43 and a half i expected it to be a higher number and i was going to go under it and i was going to feel a lot better about it i thought it was going to be like 40 or something like that i'm still going under and acknowledge that all of the data points the other way but i just have this instinct with them that it's not going to work as well i don't trust oh i don't trust that this is going to work and they're so reliant on injury prone players and don't really have appropriate replacements for them that my my instinct is saying the wheels are going to fall off a little bit what do you think if if they went healthy how many games if they were just you know everybody on the team plays like 70 games Blake and Gallo are the two guys you look at as that being unlikely for in particular Beverly also has has missed time on occasion I could also see Teodosic not making it through the whole season without injury as well but uh DeAndre of course never gets hurt he's a robot let's say these guys all make it through without any significant injuries like how many games would you expect them to win then mid to high 40s maybe like 47 something in that range i don't think they're as good as the jazz were last year oh yeah i I certainly agree with that Uh, but and they won 51 yeah i think 
I like some of these supporting pieces. Taya Dosage, I think, could, could be useful at times. They just have so many guys that either seem like one-way guys. I'm also just think that Blake and DeAndre, especially if Blake misses time at the start of the year, and even if he comes back with this plantar plate injury with his toe, that he may not be the same guy. And they're without Blake, they really don't have anyone who can just pierce the defense and score efficiently and, and set others up. You know, they're really relying on him to do that. Gallo is more of a secondary guy. Beverly can run some pick and rolls. Teodosich can, but neither of those guys are really like, can really finish at the rim well enough that like, they're going to really draw the attention of the defense on those plays, make you bring over a third guy. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I think... I know the projection systems like this team a lot more than this, and that's even accounting maybe for you know 15 games missed for Blake and for DeAndre. I'm I'm just worried that those two guys, those two guys are gonna have to be awesome for them to get into the high 40s, and I just don't think that those guys are gonna get there. I think DeAndre very reliant on athleticism, Blake same thing. So I see those guys falling off, and Gallo, you never know how many games he's gonna play. He already broke his hand punching a Dutch player in the face, uh, and. And then in the backcourt, you've got either like totally defenseless guys or guys who are not really that good on offense. And, you know, when you're, you play either of those guys, that's like kind of 500. So I, I'm thinking 43 and a half, I think is a solid line. I will go with the under as well here. I did not but, expect you know, us to Another agree. one I don't feel great about. Why do you think I would go over? I've been banging the drum about how like Gallo and Griffin are going to be hurt the whole time anyway. That's true. But just, I, I think the idea of a team with Patrick Beverly and Dion Andre and just that they'll cobble it together and I think a lot of people would probably argue that that's a 50 win team with everybody healthy I'm just not as sold on on it and then as you said the one way support here's a way to here's a way to look at it all right so you'd say DeAndre is you know a well above average center maybe not a top five center but a solid one Blake Griffin you know a well above average power forward maybe not you know again a a guy who's going to be in the top 15 players in the NBA Gallo probably about average at small forward horrendous on defense solid on offense and then you know I think you're probably at best average in the backcourt you know at best if you cobble all those guys together and all the minutes that they're playing to me actually I think the Sam Decker is going to be a very key player for this team if he can give them solid minutes hit his three-pointers be another option let them play Gallo at the four you know he's really the only guy who can come in and play some three if they're going to play Gallo at the four and that ties in with the other reason that I think they're going to go under and that's that I don't think Doc Rivers is the right coach to manage this team because it's complicated in terms of staggering and i don't think he's going to do it right he's a great coach in many other yeah. ways but i don't think he's going to manage that correctly la lakers 33 and a half i think i've made a cottage industry over the last few years of just betting the under on the lakers because that's what vegas is trying to do is they're trying to get people to bet we lost it enough. last year by the way you realize yeah, that? i know when they won five straight games at the <laughs> end of the year. i still consider i still consider that a win though i i'm st- <laughs> i I'd forgotten about that and now i'm mad about it all all over again but so the, the reason for that is what vegas is trying to do is they're trying to get equal betting on both sides and so for teams like the lakers and the chicago bulls well the bulls might be a little bit different this year you're the, those fans are generally a little bit optimistic so you raise the number a little bit and i think the lakers are going to be meaningfully better they won 26 games last year kcp brooke lopez are both meaningful additions that will be immediate parts of their starting lineup and strengthen significant weaknesses that they had but 34 wins for this team's overall talent level would be a very nice season and for me when when i see a number like that and it, that exceeds my expectations in that way 
I go with the under. I don't think it's insanely high. I'm not. Uh, no, it's the, not insanely Lakers high. Under, it's just high. Yeah, yeah. Lakers under was among my best bets, I think, for as long as we've been doing this. Uh, but getting KCP, I think, was huge. If they didn't have him, I think they would be no way they're getting over 30. Last year, they had a 24 and 58 expected one loss. But I mean, think uh, they're basically below replacement level for the entire season at center last year now they got brooke lopez uh, at power forward again you know not much better i mean with randall larry nance although he, he got injured at times uh and then they didn't really brandon ingram played i think i want to say he actually led this team in minutes brandon ingram no that is incorrect jordan clarkson actually led this team in minutes 2400 then ingram then julius randall then d'angelo russell uh clarkson will not lead this team in minutes this year uh ingram can't help but be better than he was a year ago we'll see whether he can actually contribute at like a solid rotation player level this year but it certainly was just so bad last year offensively and they are going to miss lou williams who helped them last year but Lou Aldang has to give them a little more. I guess you could say Nick Young helped them a little bit. He's not on the team anymore. But I also think that the biggest thing is that their offense, and we're not even talking about Lonzo yet, and I think he is going to I think he is going to be the rare rookie who does help the team offensively, even if he's going to be pretty bad on D. But with him and then also the hidden effects of Brooke Lopez spacing the floor, I think are going to be huge for this team. I'd expect that Julius Randle is going to have a much better year. He's going to be a lot more effective with more space to work. And they just have not had any space on the floor uh, in these last three four years uh, with this team playing two traditional bigs all the time uh, so i do expect them to be significantly improved do i expect them to take basically a 10 win leap which is what it would take from that 24 win expected one loss last year no that does seem like too much although there is the factor that they do not have their 2018 pick that long protected pick is finally going to either philly or boston for sure this year so they won't have any reason to tank but they will be playing young guys more and more down the end as well regardless uh just because that's what teams are out of it do something i want to watch with the lakers this year and they'll probably have more of these games than they have recently is how they perform in crunch time because they are going to have a rookie point guard who is going to have the, the keys to the kingdom in crunch time and will that become a big issue offensively and defensively late in games and i could see the lakers having a lot of moral victories kind of reminding me to a point of what the sixers did last year where they looked better than their record and that in many ways that's really what the lakers want most is it's more about perception than about their total this year even though they don't have their own pick i mean just getting two quality starters like this team had zero quality starters last year unless i'm forgetting anybody i don't think i am you are not yeah so casey getting kcp and lopez just solid nba players who you know if, if you had five guys like that you could probably go 500 you know and i think kcp is an underrated player that their defense could be better this year also i mean last year they finished 23rd in offense and 30th in defense i don't expect them to be 30th in defense this year i don't think they're gonna be great but they at least i think they have some hope sure <laughs> i mean we've been saying a lot of nice things about them but still i mean it's just it's too much and also like i'll believe it when i see it of whether it all comes together i mean and uh well and you like know, you could even let's, see let's put it this yeah. way new orleans won 34 games last year granted you could say that was a little bit of an anomaly like new orleans won 34 minnesota won 31 both of those teams from a talent perspective were better than the Lakers. Lakers will probably be. All right, so that's six straight that we agree on here. This one is interesting. Memphis, 37 and a half. And that's lower than I expected it to be. 
They were 49, 43 and 39 a year ago, pretty much right at their expected one loss, 42 and 40. I mean, I don't see why they're so much worse this year than last year. Just Conley and Gasol getting over. I, I, like losing Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. I mean, maybe people are like, oh, Zach Randolph, he's so good. He's the heart and soul of the team. Like he, he like performed a function in terms of just throwing up shots on the second unit but he had under a 500 true shooting percentage and he's not some great defender so to say that he was really helping them that much I, I think is going a bit too far so like why are they I mean they and they have to get more from Chandler Parsons this year than they did last year uh, Conley played 69 games which wasn't that much uh, Gasol 74 um I guess maybe there's some concern that Jamichael Green won't be back we'll assume that he is uh, and they've got some other young guys i mean backup point guard they can't they got to be better at backup point guard this year than they were last year because they were so bad uh, like I, I don't see why they're supposed to be five games worse than they were last year uh in, in terms of uh their point differential especially because they have fairly capable replacements i mean they got tyreek evans who's going to help them out chandler parsons in some ways is a replacement and then they have this kind of weird army of bigs that somebody's going to probably work to a degree and and that that's likely enough. Maybe they'll get a little bit out of Brandon Wright this year. They still haven't dumped him yet. So yeah, I, I so I, I thought it was interesting that you kind of treated the Conley Gasol thing as as a you know more of a, a stabilizing piece. I think than I would. I thought I think they'll play fewer combined games than 143 this year, just by nature. Yeah. But yeah, and Gasol is going to turn 33 this year, and mm-hmm. is he really going to shoot 39% from three? Is Conley really going to shoot 41% from three? you know maybe not is james ennis going to shoot 37 percent? is jermichael green going to shoot 38 percent uh now chandler parsons won't shoot 27 percent, or he'll just not play as well he only played 675 minutes last year so i don't know i i think that i see them kind of right around where they were last year uh and maybe tony allen i mean that's the other thing too i guess that we haven't mentioned yet is that allen who actually played his fourth on this team in minutes last year is still unsigned who knows where he ends up i still have this theory that once they get Jamichael Green worked out, if there's enough room left to bring him back, that then they will. Um, and I agree with that for the that record, yet. because that is yeah. the only reason why we haven't heard anything about him. Like we haven't heard about him taking meetings or anything like that. And usually that happens yeah, uh, when a guy has the idea the that no one would take him for the minimum. I mean, like if I mean, presumably he would still want to play for the minimum, right? Like, I mean, think of how desperately like Minnesota would offer him a one plus one. Well, if, I'm he didn't, sure, in a if he second. didn't want to play for the minimum, he would have retired tired or or we would have heard anything about that you know if that were the issue i feel like we would have heard about it and if there was if there was a lack of if there was interest somewhere else we would have heard about it so i feel like that's the way this is going to go i have actually changed my i've changed my prediction on this three times since the number came out which is unusual for me and i went from over to under to over again so i guess that's changing it twice because like you said like I, i think that if this number had been 39 and a half which is kind of what i thought it was going to be i would have gone under and it's weird to be that close on it but 37 is just 37 half is just too low it's too low so i'm gonna go over it really, I think, is all going to come down to whether Conley and Gasol can come close to what they did last year. If they can, I think this goes over. If I mean, and Gasol, we have to take a step back and realize how remarkable what it was he did last year coming off of that broken foot. You didn't even know where his health was. And then to just all of a sudden start draining all these threes. I am a believer in Fisdale as a coach. I, I think that now that he's on the same page, they're playing a more modern style. I think that they can get something out of these guys who, who are less 
less talented. So I, I will go with the, the over. I mean, I will say nothing that we've hit yet strikes me as like a best bet type of thing. We're almost there. <laughs> So Minnesota, yeah, this would be, be interesting. Yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota. Is, is this what you're referring to? Yes, or it is. Well, there are a couple. Okay. There are a couple in the second half of the West that we haven't talked about that I feel much more confident in than the first half. So Minnesota underachieved relative to expectations. Surprise, surprise. They won 31 games last year. They added Jimmy Butler. They added Jeff Teague, though that was really a Teague Rubio swap. They added Todd Gibson, and Vegas rewarded them with a 48 and a half over under line. So they would have to win 49 games, which is more than all but the the five five teams in the West did last year. So you're going under. I am going under. I, I would love to be wrong. Like this is one of those where, you know, I, I, I'm okay with that because that would mean a team I really like is having a good year. And I know he's going to play the crap out of his best players, but that is so much improvement for a team that got better, but didn't like, didn't get a sea change here. What did uh, KP's projections have them at? I think it was low 40s, but I'm not sure. What? No, no, no. No, KP's projections have them like fourth best in the league, dude. Oh, do they? Okay, then I had it wrong. They also may make a couple of signs. Uh, so they're projected fourth best in the league 50.1 wins uh by rpm when i had john krasinski on for uh, on the minnesota preview i was actually higher than him he picked 47 i picked them for 51 wins uh and it really it comes down to whether this team's bad fit offensively can be overcome by just the tremendous talent that butler and that carl towns have and as much as you want to bitch about the fit there's still going to be a much, much more spacing and talent on this team than butler had last year with the bulls and Butler still had a wonderful efficient season with the Bulls and town you know there's going to be more than they had last year in the Wolves and town still had a, a really efficient season with the Wolves I mean they were 10th in offense last year really difficult to see how they get worse on offense because they've now got Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague is probably a better offensive player that, than Rubio is so and I think they've got more coming off the bench now even Gibson could hurt the offense, I guess, compared to Jang, but and maybe you know not having Bielita out there as much to space the floor. But I still think they got to be better on offense. And then adding Gibson and Butler, I think, could really, really help the, the defense a lot. And I, I would be surprised if they were. You know, I don't think they're going to be top ten, but the, I think they'll be about even. I, I picked them for fifty-one wins. I'm going to go with the over here. So I think we disagree on this one. Yay! I'm happy we have a disagreement. I think that's a good thing. And I, there's a. I think with Minnesota at this point, I'm just going to be skeptical for an extra year it's the bizarro of, of memphis where i'm going to give memphis the benefit of the doubt because they've outperformed their expectations so many years i'm going to go the other way with this but yeah we, we could be sitting here just going okay they're the fourth best team in the west or something like that and and it was silly to to think they were going to be that much that much worse because it might be anchoring based on last season just how how much they underperformed and that could be relevant it, it, it might be anchoring based on every season since 2005 <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> that is that is a fucking lead anchor right there <laughs> so i certainly understand your trepidation but i mean jimmy butler and carl towns are really really good and, oh, and something else i well, wanted the to mention of these players yeah yeah go ahead okay andrew wiggins carl anthony towns gorgie jang all played 82 games last year at a lot of minutes and rubio played 75 at a lot of minutes they are deeper but i don't think they can replace any of those guys and if towns misses like 10 games if wiggins wiggins is a little bit more 
actually, they don't really have much depth at his position either. So I, I think that they don't really have those those machinations. And Thibodeau is going to run these guys hard. So I don't think the the they're going to roll the die that many more times, and it's going to work out in their favor. So if, I think that's going to maybe that'll be that you're right on the talent margin, but they'll lose a couple of games due to that, and that they'll end up slightly under. I mean, the way I talked about it on that Wolves podcast was they had a 38 win point differential last year, and they added a player in Jimmy Butler who will be replacing Zach Levine and Brandon Rush, who basically were both replacement level guys in terms of their overall performance when you include their defense. So Butler's a 10 win player. So there you go. Now you're at, you're at 48 wins already before you even look at any of their other additions and internal improvement from uh, Wiggins and Towns as well. You know, Tyus Jones, I expect to be a little bit better this year as well. I mean, they, they've got some young guys who can take a step forward. So I, I feel reasonably good about that pick. I mean, not a best bet necessarily. All right, we'll get back to these in a second with New Orleans. But first, this from Quip Toothbrushes. If you don't have an electric toothbrush yet, to be honest, like you're kind of blowing it. It's just try one. If you haven't tried one yet, you should because especially with Quip, it's not really that much more expensive. You pay $25 starting there for your electric toothbrush and it just comes with a double A battery. You can get a three month plan for just $5 to get new brush heads and that new, I'm sorry, it's not double A, it's triple A battery with free shipping. And now you're really paying once you make that initial $25 investment no more than you would to just get a new regular toothbrush and hey your teeth are actually going to be clean now because you have this electric toothbrush it just encourages much better brushing it's a two-minute timer. There's a little blip every 30 seconds that lets you know you should move to another quadrant of your mouth. You don't want to get sweater teeth. That's what my sister calls plaque-coated teeth when you can just feel the plaque on your teeth. No more with Quip. It just makes things much easier. It's better, too, than other electric toothbrushes because it doesn't have this enormous battery. You have that AAA battery for three months. It just it lasts that long. You can just put it in this little stand that attaches to your mirror, and then you can take that stand. It covers as the top of the toothbrush when you put it in your top kit and you go travel so you can bring it with you really easily as well i've actually got two of them now one of them in my bathroom and then one that just lives in my doctor, I mean, they're so inexpensive, you might as well just do that anyway. So you can see what Leading Dentists and Time Magazine, which named it one of their best inventions of 2016, are talking about. They won a 2016 GQ Grooming Award. They made it onto Oprah's 2017 New Year's O-List. Getquip.com slash Catspace is the way to get started with them. That's getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Catspace. That's slash Catspace URL. Easy to remember. And by the way, we have a list of sponsors now on NateDuncanNBA.com. Just scroll down a little bit. You'll find the post and that'll show you all of our sponsors, including, of course, the link to Quip Toothbrushes. Getquip.com slash Catspace. That'll get you your first refill pack free. Getquip.com slash Catspace. 39.5 for the New Orleans Pelicans. They won 34 last year. Though you can remember the season started with that Drew Holiday time missed, spending time with his wife. And of course, they didn't have to work as cousins for the first half of last year. And yeah, they started 0 and 8 last year. Mm-hmm. So I think they're better than the 39 and a half. I don't feel as confident in the over as I could in other circumstances. I actually originally had under, but I think they're going to win more than this. I don't think they're. Go- I don't think they're one of the eight best teams in the playoffs, depending on how uh, in the West playoffs, depending on how injury shakeout but the the that spot is going to be better than 40 wins so I, I feel pretty comfortable striking that balance this line came in after the solomon hill injury as we mentioned he will miss most if not all of the season they really have nothing else to the three no indication that quincy pondexter is going to be ready 
It's going to be Darius Miller probably starting at the three, and he's really the only three on the roster, only guy who can guard the three on the roster. I think that Rajon Rondo played two good games in the playoffs and a couple more down the stretch last year and was absolutely horrendous the rest of the season. Uh, I don't think we are going to see playoff Rondo because they will not be playing in the playoffs this year. I have the under. I predicted them for 38 wins. And when you consider the health record of this team as well, neither Cousins nor Davis has a fantastic health record. Those guys will usually tend to miss 15 or 20 games a year. And you throw in the fact that Cousins is constantly in foul trouble. He's not going to play that many minutes. The fact that now because they lost Hill, they don't really have anyone to play as a small ball force. So and now they have to play these crappy centers. They have to play Chick Diallo, who's probably not ready and probably isn't a good fit next to Cousins or Davis at this point in his career. I just think that like they're going to be so much less than the sum of their parts, which is a, a massive disappointment. But I don't, unlike Minnesota, I don't think that they really have quite enough talent because they just, Minnesota at least has a guy at every position, even if there's not a ton of shooting on the roster, they can at least defend their all of their positions, which I don't think that the Pels can. I mean, they're basically counting on Darius Miller to be a starting level player. And while my buddy Aaron Jackson said that he thought Miller would be good, I'm not willing to count on Miller being like, you know, a starting level NBA player yet. So, and then Rondo is, was really below replacement level last year, 46% true shooting, turns it over all the time. His defense, he was one of the worst defensive point guards in the league for most of the season. He chokes off the spacing for everyone else. Maybe if they were able to go to a lineup with Miller and Etwan Moore and Holiday at the one, you know, that that might be the one lineup they could put out there that actually has like an NBA level of shooting in it, or they're relying on like Ian Clark. Like that that's the one lineup they could put out there that is like good enough and doesn't have any massive weaknesses on both ends. But even so, like those guys, Moore and Miller are not starters. So I I've just and then also Cousins was just so bad defensively last year too. Like if he if he can get into like better shape and and replicate the way he played defensively in some of his better Sacramento years, then maybe I'm willing to change this. But I, I think he's gonna hurt their defense a lot. And uh yeah, so I'm gonna go under. Things always seem to go wrong for the Pels. And yet you went with the over for the Timberwolves. Anyway, uh, so let's, let's move on to OKC. OKC won 47 games last year. Also, of course, Russell Westbrook won the MVP. They added Paul George at the massive cost of Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. And they also added Patrick Patterson <laughs> and presumably improved their point guard depth with Raymond Felton. Despite all that, I'm predicting the under on 51 and a half. I just think, and the big reason why is because I thought their win total last year did not reflect their team quality and that's going to be a bigger hurdle for them despite their improved talent yeah i predicted them for 51 wins on the podcast i do with fred katz he had them for 52 so he and i will be splitting the difference i guess i have to go with the under here they could very easily go over i mean i, I when i talked about their best case scenario i thought it possible that they could win 59 games this season i don't think they'll get there but i think there's a plausible path to that uh i really like a lot of what's going on with this team now patterson's surgery that is a reason i think for pessimism out they don't have anyone else really who can give them what he gives them and i think without him their offense could really crater quite a bit because you're basically got to play robertson and grant or your off or your defense is going to crater because you got to play a and mcdermott you get into those one-way guys a little bit too much and, and Cantor as well another guy who's gonna have to play more if patterson is ineffective or or if he misses time supposedly not a serious surgery but he's been struggling with these knee issues for some time now so yeah i gotta go with the under i don't feel particularly strongly about it though as judging by the fact that my prediction is only a half game under this 51.5 line last year westbrook adams and robertson all played 
79 or more games, and they don't really have amazing replacements for any of them, depending on how they're going to use Robertson this year, which is an open question at this point. And Russ missing 10 games, I think, is enough to, to really swing this. And they're they're phenomenal at full strength, and if they can be there, they'll be good. But remember, they also finished 10th in defense last year. So even if they get better on that end, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to be like fourth or something like that. So they'll, but they'll benefit, and I think they'll benefit offensively as well. But it's, it's a lot to do to get from there because they were one of the best clutch teams in modern history last year. Yeah, uh, they outperformed their point differential by four games, expected one loss, 43 and 39. But I I do think like even if you start them at that 43 win baseline and and price in that Russ probably won't be as good this year. I mean, Paul George compared to the guys that they were throwing out there last year at the three is just such an incredible upgrade. Uh, I think that you you could get up there, but hey, we're going for the under. So this it's is kind of gr- funny. This I've is been, one where we've been such a contrarian. Stay away. Yeah. This is an absolute stay away though. Like just don't bet this. Yeah. I, I think I think I agree. Um, yeah, but it's funny. I mean, the Lakers were saying good things about them. We took the under. OKC saying good things about them. We took the under. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to me to see. I mean, I guess I had both Minnesota and OKC at 51 wins. Like those two teams, I think, are going to be duking it out to see who gets the four seed and what a first round series that would be if those two teams match up in the four or five, which uh, is what I anticipate this year. Jimmy Butler, Paul George going at it again. All right. The Phoenix Suns, 28 and a half. Uh, I'll go first on this one last season the suns struggled to a 24 and 58 record that though they were an expected one loss of 27 and 55 and they tanked their asses off down the stretch that they did that they might also do again and i mean (coughs) it they still have Eric Bledsoe, so you can't kind of assume, well, what happens if they either do the two-month the two month mega tank with Eric Bledsoe again or just trade him? But I just have this lost feeling, lost season feeling from them. They have, are still going to be incredibly young. They're a, a really young team, and without Brandon Knight, while he was no great shakes, they're very top-heavy, and those top guys aren't as good as a lot of the surrounding teams. So I'm going under. I could certainly see them winning 30 and like being comfortably in that low 30s range and just feeling a little bit stupid about it but i'm thinking more in the 25 26 range yeah bledsoe was very good last year until he was uh shut down with a uh, knee soreness uh and behind him tyler ulis you know maybe he'll be an okay backup but certainly has physical limitations Bledsoe could miss time he could also get traded very easily as well I think they would be wise in fact to trade him Knight will miss the entire season with the ACL tear that he suffered over the summer uh Devon Reed is out I mean he wasn't going to give them anything anyway as far as winning games but they don't really have any kind of backup now at the two it's basically Devin Booker and then either TJ Warren or Josh Jackson is gonna have to play there backing up at the two so those two guys should get plenty of playing time Derek Jones Jr will probably get a chance to, to play as well but they're pretty thin at the two and three with this team even with the josh jackson in there and they just don't have any veteran wing players at all jackson he's intense but expecting him to be a positive overall on defense might be asking a little bit too much of him despite the fact i think he has some potential there and then at the four oh man like jared dudley he had toe surgery at the end of june may miss the start of the season chris and bender neither of them had a particularly impressive summer league 
Chris may have been the worst starter in terms of actually trying to win basketball games in the NBA last year. I don't expect significant improvement from him this season. Bender maybe could come along. And then their center situation may be outside of Brooklyn, the worst in the NBA. They also gave their general manager an extension, so they aren't going to have the urgency of win now so I can save my job, which is a way that they well, could. Uh, Earl Watson may. Earl Watson may, but he can, you can only do so much with the talent that's in front of him. I don't think he's going to do the like fantasia getting these getting these broomsticks to dance i think i'm combining disney movies but i don't care uh i don't think there's really you can do that with this and i don't think you can make chicken salad out of this team and i think they're just a year away they're gonna need that that other guy and just the seasoning on this incredibly young team devin booker you know was one of the youngest guys drafted marquise was both young and immature so i think it's just gonna take them a little bit more time yeah i'm gonna go with the under i think like earl watson from what i heard really likes marquise chris a lot likes him better than Bender was a proponent of drafting him that means he's going to play Marquise a lot that means that they're going to lose when Marquise is out there um you know maybe it's just it's very difficult for me to see like how this team can construct any lineups that are going to be a positive on either end of the floor you, you know you, with Bledsoe and Booker okay that's an okay backcourt but Booker is so bad defensively and then you've got Warren and Jackson they don't really have a good small ball four option unless Bender can really improve Dudley is not going to play at all even though he's still probably the best guy they have at the four and they were much better when he was out there than any of their other fours last year and then Tyson Chandler and Alan Williams and bringing back Alex Len on the qualifying offer which is kind of what I expect to happen at this point uh you know either that or a pretty small deal which I actually think if there is a deal like that Len should take it uh whatever it is they're offering maybe they're not offering him anything but uh still I mean they're looking at being well below average at three positions right now in their front court just overall those guys when you consider their experience level and and talent level the lack of shooting at the three as well I mean they're gonna I don't see how they're gonna get enough shooting on the floor with this team either Warren is can shoot it okay but not a volume guy and then Jackson is gonna be he'll shoot but he's not gonna make them from three so they really only have one guy on this team who's gonna get regular minutes who's been a quality three-point shooter that's Booker and they like to put the ball in his hands a lot I mean I think this team could be really bad offensively also they have the problem of a lot of be, due, due to the power forwards largely that they're going to be playing that their other forwards are going to be defended by these guys that are way better than them you know so tj warren is going to be guarded by the other team's best defensive forward same thing with basically every guy who can play because that's the downside of having marquise chris and dragon bender out there playing the four is that teams are just going to prioritize tj they're going to prioritize josh jackson even and those they're going to get absolutely smothered yeah, and tyson chandler was quietly actually pretty good on the boards last year mm-hmm. but you have to imagine he'll take a step back this year as we go on and then he was shut down as well so I feel pretty comfortable with the under the more I I talk about these I hadn't thought about them too significantly until we started doing the prep for this show uh but I do like the under and and I of these guys that we these teams that we've done so far what do you which uh pick do you feel the most comfortable with I think I might actually feel the most comfortable with this Phoenix under especially with the tanking incentive that they have yeah that and probably the Rockets over I think are probably the two that I feel the best about I, I think Minnesota's is too high but I could but it, you, what you're looking for are those ones where there isn't a reasonable scenario and we haven't really gotten any of those yet where it's like oh man there's just not really a chance so probably Phoenix is Phoenix is up there Portland 42 and a half I was expecting this to be a little bit higher they were 41 and 41 a year ago in terms of point differential expected one loss of 40 and 42 but they had that absolutely wonderful stretch when Nurkic came in I'll let you go first on this one Danny 
Last year, Lillard and McCollum played a lot and they stayed really healthy and those guys have to because now the Blazers are even more shallow than they were before because they lost Alan Crabb for nothing. And while I understand that move from the financial imperative standpoint, they didn't replace him at all. And he was their number three guy in minutes played last year. So they don't really have anybody who you look at as a clear kind of guy to step up in that role. So yes, they will be better when they have all three of their best players together. I'm going under and feel under uncomfortable about it just because I think that they won't get as lucky as they did. You know, I don't don't think that 20 games is as representative of a sample in terms of their full strength talent level. Yeah, they're better than this. They're probably mid forties, but uh, it's just, it's again, it's, it's kind of an instinct play and I don't think they're going to win 50. I don't think their defense is going to figure it out. So I'm okay going on the low side here. All right. I guess I'm going over uh, right at where I had it. I predicted 43 on that podcast with uh, Eric Gunderson and, you know, Nurkic could certainly miss time again. This team has probably less shooting three through five than any team in the NBA. I mean, really, the only guy who's a plus shooter among that group, maybe is for his position, positional shooting wise, is Myers Leonard. And he's hopefully for them is not going to play. So. I'm definitely worried about this offense a little bit. I mean, they have to get better defensively, though. Um, you mentioned that they're in big trouble if Damer CJ missed time. I still think that Evan Turner is a huge drag on this team. I, I think this is the solid line here. Um, so I reluctantly am going over, but I, I am almost like more swayed by the under. It just seems like I, I wish this line were 43 and a half or 44, and I think I would feel pretty good about going under. I, I, maybe just they put it all together again and, and it looks good, but I think they're really going to miss crab who was third on the team in minutes last year as i recall and that 44 percent three-point shooting that he provided but nonetheless we disagree um i mean if you had to predict a wins for them what would it be 42 yeah 42 41 <laughs> i hate it i hate it so much and the the sacramento kings are the reverse of that where i expected it to be a higher number Actually, I guess that's the same. I expected it to be a higher number and that I was going to go under it, but 20 and a half is just low for them. They won 32 last year. Yes, they will not have DeMarcus Cousins for this full year, but they chose to use a lot of their assets on players that are actually good now. And that should make them, I mean, they still have a weird rotation. Their small forwards are a concern, just like for New Orleans. DeMarcus Cousins is new team, but I think they're a little bit better than that. I think they're, you know, probably in the low 30s. That's what kind of what they built this team to do. And so they put it 28 and a half I'm gonna go over I I feel quite comfortable with the under actually I predicted 26 wins on the pod with James Ham. uh I think their best case scenario is like 31 uh because like, they have so many young guys who just aren't gonna be any good they're not gonna have enough shooting George Hill who they're really relying on it is a huge health risk I can't think of anything that you can point to that this team is going to be good at. Like, like, what is the strength of this team? I feel like they'll be okay defensively, and I think they're they're relatively deep other than their horrible weakness. Like, I think that, you know, the point guard p- position now, I think they'll be getting 48 decent minutes, you know, especially with De'Aaron Fox coming off the, either coming off the bench or playing a smaller role, depending on how they want to manage that. Bogdanovich, I think, can bring something for them. Buddy Heald is going to be in a more palatable role for them. And then their other big guys, you know, they, they're not an amazing group. It's kind of a motley crew, but I'm a big Scal fan, have been for a long time, and I think they're going to play hard. I think that they will pick off enough games against the bad teams and they'll win some games at home. And that's enough to get into the high 20s. And then I think at that point, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to roll with it. But I agree with you that there are lots of reasons to see the under here. I just think they're a little bit better from a talent perspective. I think there's also a decent chance of like a George Hill trade. Um, And I also 
think that this team may have more tanking incentive than any other team in the NBA because that 2019 pick is owed unprotected to either Philly or Boston. So this is their last chance to get a high draft pick because presumably all these young guys they have will improve enough to where they'll be out of that morass by the time another draft pick rolls around in 2020. In theory, I think they'll probably still not be that good because that's just, uh, you know, anchoring as we talked about with the Wolves. Uh, But no, I feel pretty good about this under. In fact, and that's an interesting question of whether they or Phoenix will be worse this year. I think that that's, it's going to be pretty close between those two. They will be duking it out all year, but I feel pretty comfortable with the under on both of those teams. That's interesting. I see Sacramento as as being better right now, but again, I, I'm not I'm not in love with that idea. Let's go to a line. Do they have a single above average starter on this team? George Hill. They have a single average starter. I think George Hill, when you consider health, is like an average starter, and health and age is an average starter. Like you think he was the 15th best point guard in the NBA last year? When he, uh, yeah, I guess if you include health, when healthy he missed, maybe when when healthy, I think he was. But then when he he yeah. missed a bunch, he's of pretty time. good defensively. Yeah. Um, and, and he was capable, a capable steward offensively. I mean, they were able to do it with Gordon Hayward with, outside of him. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's with with a lot of these. Like I, the other, I, I try not to consider the conference factor in it as much, just because you know they do play more games against their own against their own kind. But I think they're just going to beat up on the worst teams and get a little bit of a buffer there, and then just surprise. I mean, they don't have this huge home court advantage or anything crazy like that. But I, I just, it's, I, I think they'll do it, not by much. Not by much. And I think they're better than the Suns. And also, I think the Suns have a, a greater imperative that we'll see to tank because I agree with you that on the incentives that should be there, but I just haven't seen that from Sacramento in terms of their ownership and their general manager that, they, that they're really going to gonna lean into being bad again. San Antonio, this is one of going to be one of my best bets. We won't reveal that until oh, yeah. the Easter Conference one. 54 and a half. Like, are you kidding me? That is just incredibly low. All about the over here. I do expect them to be a little worse, but I mean, they won 61 last year. Like, I don't see how, and they're right in line pretty much with their point differential. So I don't see how they go seven games worse than last year unless Kawhi were to miss significant time. But I mean, just are, are you done? I mean, the last time that they won, less than 55 games was 2010 and oh no they they're they're gonna replace tony parker with patty mills that's an upgrade yeah no it is i I mean now i I guess you could say they're replacing tony parker with Dejounte murray which is not an upgrade but if part if uh mills plays more and with the starters yeah i mean they they will miss deadman a little bit he gave them a lot you know i'm worried about their bigs but they i mean pop always gets these guys to defend in the regular season i'm certainly worried about them as a playoff like they're just gonna smoke all the bad teams in the league and they win almost all their home games that that's enough like they're they're gonna do uh, so my my entire text on this was over easy one of the best bets if not the best bet like that's that's just what this is it, it was it was a line that's way too low and yeah if Kawhi Leonard misses time they'll be they'll be screwed but outside of that and like we have all these concerns about what they did and the missed opportunities most of those are are postseason concerns not regular season concerns this is a deep team this is a well coached team this is a top notch execution team they're gonna win a bunch of games yeah it, it would be a pretty big surprise for me if they won 54 or less I mean even Jeff McDonald, who considers himself a, a pessimist, uh, predicted 55. My prediction was 58. I think that's the biggest delta between my prediction in either direction and what this line is. So uh, yeah, going going for the over here. This next one is interesting, though. Utah, uh, 40 and a half. 
huge change for them, losing Gordon Hayward, losing George Hill, functionally replacing him with Ricky Rubio. I have been very pessimistic about what this team's offense is going to be. I think they're going to fall off a cliff because Ricky Rubio is best in transition and they just don't have the personnel to do that. Quinn Snyder, I'm not as worried about that. I'm sure some people are going to say, oh, Quinn Snyder doesn't run. I think he would run if he had the personnel, but they don't. And the shooting is a concern. They don't really have those ball handlers. I think they're going to have an amazing defense. And I think that's enough that they're going to be this kind of Memphis style team. And I, I, I've i gone over or under. I bounced on this a little bit. I'm going over just because I think their defense is going to be so good that they might not make the playoffs, but they'll be good enough to win half their games. Yeah, they lost Hayward, of course. They should, other than losing him, which is, I mean, I don't mean to poo-poo that, but I think that they should be better in just about other... Uh, the big thing is going to be health, right? It is possible that they could get into the high 40s here just as long as like Derek Favors and Ronnie Hood. I mean, the whole season really depends on them. I think they'll defend regardless, but, and I like the Cephalosius eyeing, Jarebko gives them a stretch four element. You know, I think he, D.A. won't be on the team anymore, but I think, you know, Joe Johnson will probably take a little bit of a step back but it could get more from Exum uh, Rubio yeah kind of a downgrade on Hill but probably an upgrade on what they had overall when you consider how few games Hill played last year Hill only played 49 games a year ago um and, and Hayward actually missed eight as well he only he played 73 uh they got Joe Ingles back so I mean this team does have a lot of depth they can I think that their downside is you know pretty high like they don't have a ton of risk just to uh, other than Gobert I think they can really weather the storm at, at just about any position yeah, I think the depth is a, is a really fair point here. And they have a lot of guys who are good in different ways so that, that Snyder can mix and match a little bit, even if something doesn't work, that they can piece it together and, and create some dangerous functional lineups. Yeah, I think Snyder is pretty good at creating some stuff just through his system. All right, so I think pretty clear this team looks like a top five defense, right? Yeah, absolutely. They definitely appear that way to me. And they were third a year ago. Rubio is a great defender at the one especially in a good system Gobert we know what he is I think they'll get more out of favors this year favors as well only played 50 games last year and only 24 minutes a game whenever they've played favors and Gobert together they have been impossible to score on but of course the offense is going to be a problem you know I mean they're going to have to go to favors more in the post now Rubio can't shoot Cephalosha can't shoot Rodney Hood is going to be overmatched as a primary perimeter option even if he can stay healthy I don't expect they're going to get anything out of Alec Burks Joe Johnson will be 36 but the question is you know if you're if we're going to say they're going to be a top five defense can they get out of the bottom five in offense bottom five might be a little bit low because they do have talent I mean you think about the bottom five as more teams like Orlando and just the teams that are more hopeless than them Chicago Indiana you would say has less offensive talent than they do not a ton of teams though it's for sure Orlando I, I wouldn't shock me if Orlando were better than they at least have some shooting um Sacramento could be down in that category they could be pretty bad offensively uh, but I, I mean I don't see a ton of teams that are going to be a lot better maybe Detroit will be in that level depending on on what happens with some of their guys the Hawks certainly will, will be in competition but this is a team that looks like if not a bottom five maybe a bottom seven or eight offense yeah I think that's fair 
So, but I, I mean, 500 seems about right to me, especially because I just think their defense is going to be so good. So I, I haven't thought that hard about my prediction. I, I better because uh, I'm having David Locke on tomorrow to record the Jazz preview. But I mean, I think 41, 42 games is kind of what I'm thinking here. And, you know, I think between they, Portland, I might make a slight favorite for getting into the bottom rung of the playoffs. Maybe Memphis will be in there. The Clippers, I think all those teams are going to be kind of right around in that 500 game or two over 500 area um so i will go with the over but i don't feel amazing about it and then you know again if they have the same kind of health that they've had these last couple of years you know that's where it really can go off the rails and and as we mentioned in the open they have that new training staff maybe that'll help them Mm -hmm. okay i think we are done here don't forget about our sponsors quit get quip get quip.com slash cap space is that url to get started with them audible audible.com slash catspace get yourself a, an audiobook great for your commute I, I really enjoy listening to sports books on there in particular because those are just perfect for the audiobook format and then another way to support the show as well is that Amazon banner ad on NateDuncanNBA.com. You're buying stuff on Amazon anyway, so if you want to help us out, you can just go there and click through and then buy whatever you're going to buy, and we'll get a little bit of a kickback from that. Not huge, but enough to support the show, so we, uh, we appreciate whatever y'all can do for us. And don't forget about our Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue, and we're going to be doing another mailbag pod there. As the season starts, you'll get other benefits as well including uh the ability to comment more easily on some of our periscope broadcasts just supporting the periscope product in general and uh all right i think that's about it thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you all next time till then the legends are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.